0: Praise God. Good morning. How many people are excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, worship team, uh, for helping set the tone and the stage for today. Um, it is uh, great, beautiful weather out there, lots of beginnings for us. Uh, my oldest daughter just got her driver's license about a week ago. Uh, yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> She's already taken the car out for a spin a couple times, and man, I'm just like, I don't think I prayed uh, that much for a while. Um, but praise God, it's just a sign of new beginnings, right? This is just a new uh, season. So much happening, so much going on. She wants to keep borrowing the car as well, and the gas is now almost six dollars. You know. You know, she's already calling and texting, hey, dad, can you send me uh, 10, 15 bucks so I can buy lunch? And so there's a lot of fun stuff happening in the house. Uh, but there's a lot of also real stuff, not that that's not real, but real stuff that just continues to happen in this world. Um, stuff that if we allow ourselves to be um, di- uh, disconnected enough or distracted enough, we, we, we don't really see what's happening but i believe that god has a good word for us in this season we are currently now in a what we call prophetic pause if you've been a part of new life you know what a prophetic pause means here when it comes to the teaching series as a church there's over 25 locations all over the city we have normally we sit down as pastors and we kind of plan out a year in advance and we plan out hey You know, we're going to go on ahead and we're going to teach these different types of topics, these different types of series. We just finished the series titled Let's Talk About. Let's Talk About was a a powerful, powerful series. And now in the prophetic pause, we have the option as the pastor of each location to preach, to teach, whatever it is that we sense God kind of pulling us in a direction. We are in a nine-week prophetic pause. So that means... Um, we are going to be talking about some different things at all our different locations. So if you like listening to a lot of sermons, different pastors, different preachers, you can listen to me today, you can listen to anybody else any other time throughout the week at a different location, and you're going to hear something different in, in most cases. So been praying, been thinking, God, what is it that we should talk about? What should I help teach the church um, throughout these next nine weeks? And uh, he started really kind of guiding me and leading me towards a direction towards a topic in which I think is very, very, very interesting. Everything in the Word is interesting, but there's certain things that when we hear it, we tend to pay a little bit more attention. What I'm going to be talking to you about within the, and this is going to be a little three-weeker that I'm going to do, and then we'll figure out what we'll do the rest of the six weeks. What we're going to talk about is what happens when we die. What happens when we die? We're going to be talking about this for the next three weeks, and so I encourage you, make sure that you don't miss. I don't want you to ever miss a Sunday, but really make sure that you you stay for this three. I want you to kind of be with us these three weeks so you can learn. I encourage you to take notes, lots of notes, uh, pen, paper. Take all this stuff down. I'm going to do my best to, to, to try to teach you as much as I can Within the time frame that we have on a Sunday sur- you know, service, this is not. Uh, we're not taking a the- theology class that we have hours and hours to discuss this type of subject. So uh, that being said, why don't we jump right in? I know that many of you would probably say, hey, Pastor, you know what? I don't really like to talk about death. Who likes to talk about death here? Raise your hand. Nobody, really. Nobody likes talking about death. The truth is, though, when we talk about dying, when we talk about when we die, the, the truth is you don't really die, okay? You don't really die. Did you realize that? You know, a lot of times we think that, that it is so infinite. We think that the moment we die is the moment everything stops. The moment that these physical bodies stop Uh, walking, talking, breathing, that that's the end. And that's not the case. Your physical body will cease to exist, but you never cease to exist. You will live eternally. That's the truth. You're going to live eternally somewhere. This is what Scripture says if you going to follow with us and you want to open up your bibles if you're one of the bible thumpers you like to feel the pages we're going to be at 2 corinthians chapter 5 verse 9 through 10 we'll also have passages up on the screens or just write this down i urge you uh, a church that when we teach here in the altar sometimes you know I, it's a lot to take in so just jot these things down and throughout the week spend some time revisiting what it is that was taught but also reading the passage because this we're teaching from the passages okay It says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 10, the Apostle Paul was talking to the church of Corinth, and he says this, verse 9. So we make it our goal to please him. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, rather good or bad. Let me take it to the beginning of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, for we know that when this earthly tent, everybody say earthly tent. earthly tent. What is an earthly tent? The earthly tent is a metaphor for our bodies. Turn to your neighbor and says, and point at your body and say, this is my earthly tent. This is name brand. He says, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, that is when we die. That's when we, when, when we leave this earthly body. He continues to say, we have a building from God. An eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Verse 3 says, because when we are clothed, We will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. How many people are uh, are groan and and are burdened in this body so many times? Right? One of our elder, Jose, has got a bad back. I just had surgery a couple, uh, three three months ago. Uh, My son was making me play basketball with him all Friday. And I'm over here mentally thinking I'm still 18 years old. And yesterday I woke up and my knee was in burning pain. In this body, we groan. In this body, we we, we burden. He says, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Verse 5, now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Some of you guys may be familiar with this because there's other translations that say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Sometimes us as, as pastors, when we're doing funerals and, you know, we, there's a body next to us, we kind of say that, hey, this person was, uh, had a firm belief in Jesus Christ. We say, hey, he, he, you know, he's absent from the body, but he is in the presence of God. So after reading all this, there's a lot. I just want to read it everything to you and then kind of try to dissect it a little bit. What, what is our goal? After reading this passage, we see, why is, it, why is it that we exist? What is our assignment while we are in these earthly bodies? What is our assignment while we are in these tents or even when we are away from these earthly bodies? Verse 9, it tells us. Verse 9 says, so we make it our goal to accumulate a lot of money. Is that what it says? We make it our goal to become, for the young people, TikTok famous. Our goal is to get a record number of likes on our latest posts. Our goal is to have our house completely filled in shiplap. Some of you guys are like, what is that? What is our goal? Our goal, verse 9. So we make it our goal. Everybody say it with me. To please him. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Our goal is to live for him. Our goal is to live for Jesus Christ. Our, Our goal is to do what lasts eternally. Verse 10, Paul says this. For well, we must all, everybody say all, appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, rather good or bad. Ultimately, what we see here is we, we, uh, what we need to remember is whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal needs to be to please God. You have a lot of other goals. Nothing wrong with it. I encourage you to have goals because when you have goals, you have motivation. You have a need, a desire to work towards something. Someone that has no goals is someone that really you kind of are just in dead space. You're like in a black hole just floating around. But our ultimate goal needs to be to please Christ. Amen? All right. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we come before you. We thank you for this uh, that you've given us together, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that uh, as I continue to give this word in which you've placed in my heart, God, that you would open up the ears of your church to listen to what it is that you want to tell them. I pray, Lord, that you would open up their eyes to see what it is that you want to show them. I pray that you would soften their hearts to receive what you want to give to them, God. I pray, Lord, that all distractions that may be trying to uh, buy for their attention, Lord, that we would push those to the side, Lord, and give you our ultimate attention here this morning. Lord, we praise you, we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Why are you talking about what happens after you die? Some people may be thinking. The reason is because, and if you're taking notes, write this down, what you believe, about eternity determines how you will live today, okay? What you believe about eternity determines how you will live today. If you believe, hey, you know what, Pastor, we're just accidents. There's no God. There's no eternity. Then the reality is that you're going to be living a selfish life. If you believe those things, you're going to be living a life that is driven for the pleasures of this time. And everything that you are going to be doing is going to be for the now. I want more of this now. I want to achieve these things now. Before I die and life is done, I want to be able to accumulate all that I can possibly accumulate. In turn, though, if you believe that you are created By God for His glory, then you're gonna, and and, and you're thinking, hey, I'm gonna live somewhere eternally, then the reality is that's gonna begin to shape the way that you live. Because what you believe about eternity will determine how you live today. At least it, it should. I really hope it does. I really hope it does. Because if you, if you go on ahead and 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 believe what the word of god tells you what it says what we're teaching here about eternity and yet you are, stop, are still not living towards that then you you need a wake up call it, then i'm a, i'm afraid for you but let's continue the reality is that you're going to live somewhere when the story of your life ends your physical body is going to uh, cease to exist at some point. At some point, the end credits are going to roll up on your life, and it's going to say, the end, game over. But your soul is going to continue to live. Next week, we're going to go on ahead, and we're going to talk about the horrors of hell. Next week, we're going to, we're going to talk about, is hell a real place? I'll give you the quick answer. Yes, it is. But is. We're going to talk about what happens in hell, who goes to hell. Why did God create hell? And then in a few weeks after that, we'll talk about heaven. We'll talk about who goes there. What do we do when we go there? Is it a uh, you know, is, is it just pretty much a boring, long worship service? Is it uh, that we're going to be singing the same song for a thousand years? Do we have new bodies? Do you recognize people? Who goes to heaven? That's all the stuff that are coming up. That's why I'm saying, man, I'm excited to preach this, and I hope that you're excited to listen to it. But today what I want to do is I want to lay the foundation for this uh, little mini-series, and I want to talk about three things that happen immediately after your life on this side of eternity ends. Three things that happen immediately when your life ends as we know it, as I know you. The first thing, that's for sure, and some of these, this is a no-brainer, our physical body dies. The first thing that happens immediately when your life is over, when the end credits have rolled up, your physical body will die. Scripture says our physical bodies die. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says this, just as people are destined to what? Die once. Just as people are destined to die once. Let's pause there for a moment. I've already kind of said this. There's, there's one thing. I can't guarantee you many things in life. I can't. I can't, I can't predict certain p- parts of your future. That's, that, that's not what I do, right? But I can guarantee you one thing. And I know a lot of you guys already know what that is. And that is that each and every single person here will die. It's going to happen. You're going to die somehow. You're going to die sooner or later. I don't know how. The Bible teaches us that you've, you've come from dust, right? Your body will go back to dust. So in essence, when I'm looking at this and calculating this, it, you're nothing but dust. So what I want you to do is I want you to look at your neighbor and say, hey, you're nothing but dust. Don't, don't take that the wrong way. It was just a little bit of joke. It was a little joke. Don't get in arguments when you get home. Hey, listen, when, you, when you're at home with your spouse, friends, don't, don't, don't start saying you're nothing but dust when you guys are in an argument. Because then automatically you're going to think of me and I don't want to be in that argument, all right? But scripture says this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 through 28. It says, just as people are destined to die once, and after that, face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for What's going to happen after your life ends? Our physical bodies are going to die. That's a fact. That's what's going to happen. Amen? That was the quick one. I'm going to spend a little bit more time on these other ones. The second thing that happens immediately after your life ends, our souls are separated from our physical bodies. Our souls are separated from our physical bodies. Our physical bodies, they stay behind. They stay behind, you know, all that work that you did to make sure you were in good shape, some of the Botox shots that you took, whatever it is. Hey, I'm not <laughs> judging you, all right? But the reality is what you've done, that, that, that stays, that stays. But our soul continues to live. This is where I want you to stay focused on because people that live for the here and the now, a lot of times, they're, they're, those are people that are stuck on wall. When this life is over, it's over, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. And oh, I love this passage. It says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but can but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. It's some deep words, man. Deep, deep, deep words. In other words, don't be afraid. You're walking down the street and you're looking at someone that looks a little suspicious. Don't be afraid of them that they might hurt you or kill you, whatever the case is. You ought to live with that sick man. You ought to live life with that same awareness that, hey, every single second that I'm walking my life, I I ought to make sure that I'm trying to live my life right because humans can kill me, but they can't kill my soul. But Christ, but God. He can, he, he can make sure that, that, that I am nothing. He can, he can send me to hell. My body could die here and my soul can be burning in hell. That is what you ought to be afraid of. Not necessarily just the person that looks suspicious in the corner of the street. Don't just fear people, but live in a reverent fear of God. When your body ceases to exist, your soul continues to live on. In other words, at your funeral, one day when it happens, once you go into the ground, and you you know how sometimes some some people's traditions are, everybody goes to that potluck dinner and, and starts having a meal. You're never, you will never be more alive than you are at that moment. When you're in that ground. People, people are walking away thinking, oh, that's it, his life is done. Man, you will never be more alive than you will be at that moment. Your body. Will be dead but not your soul your soul still lives even though your body ceases to exist and Jesus he illustrated this truth in in the gospel of John when he was talking to Martha who was incredibly upset about Lazarus her brother when he had died you remember I taught this uh in uh, during uh, our mother's day service but Lazarus had been dead for four days the bible tells us And this is what Jesus said to Martha. He said, if you remember, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they what? They die. You see, the Bible all fits together. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. You guys catch that? Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. That's what, we're te- that's what I'm teaching you. That when our physical body dies, what happens? Our physical body dies, but our soul lives. What happens to the soul of a follower of Jesus after the body dies? Well, the reality is the Bible isn't clear on all the details. It's not. And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. We don't have to know all the details of what happens immediately. But what we do know is that to be absent from the body is to, be pre- is to be present, what? With the Lord. That we know for sure. That's all we need to know. We do know that there are, if you remember the story, when Jesus was on the cross with the two criminals, remember that? Next to Jesus, these criminals, they were both guilty. This is the man who had no sin yet was bearing our sin and dying on the cross so that we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yet there was two sinners that were next to him, two criminals. They were next to him, and they were guilty. They both needed forgiveness, but only one, the Bible says, recognized that. Only one recognized his need, and he called on the grace of Jesus. And that one criminal cried out, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You remember that story? And by the grace of Jesus, not by any works this guilty man could have done, Jesus goes on ahead and he answers him. Truly, I tell you today, today when your body ceases to exist, you will be with me in paradise, is what Jesus says. Where exactly is that? What exactly is that? We're not completely clear, but what we do know is that it's way better than this earthly life. Paul goes on ahead himself, and he wrestles with this thought. He wrestles with, man, what is it that I want to do? Paul's the one that's responsible to, for writing all, you know many of the epistles there in the New Testament. He says, man, do I want to live here and make a difference? Do I want to live here and continue to plant churches, continue to pour into people, continue to uh, build, uh, a, you know, Jesus followers, but remember, Paul's not writing this in his penthouse. Paul's writing all these epistles. He's in prison many times. He's not, you know, he's being chased after. They're they're, they're trying to kill him. But yet he's saying, should I stay here and do the good work of Jesus Christ? Or man, should I just go already and be with him? Which is better for me? This is what he says, actually, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. He says this. I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in my body. It, it, I, I just love that, where you're seeing the mind, what, you know, the, the back and forth that the Apostle Paul is having. He said, man, it's better for me to be in the presence of God. How many people probably have felt that here? When life gets hard, when life gets challenging, when it's difficult, when it feels like you can't breathe, when it feels like, man, it's one bad thing after another, whatever the case is, but yet, yet, yet you're still trying to continue to be faithful to the Lord, faithful to your family. And sometimes you say, man, I'd rather, God, just take me. Just take me. I'd rather be with you. But Paul understood something that maybe God wants you to understand. If he ain't take you yet, it's because he still has a plan if he hasn't taken you yet, it's because maybe he wants you to continue to build other people in Jesus Christ. Maybe he wants you to be the light of the world in this dark, dark place to attract others to come to know Jesus Christ. So what happens when we die? We know our physical bodies cease to exist. Our soul continues to live separate from our body. And then, and then at some point, the third thing, we all face judgment. We all will face judgment. Peter said it this way: First Peter chapter 1, verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverence. Oh, this is this reverent fear is not talking about well, be afraid, be scared, have anxiety and all that stuff. No. Reverent fear meaning like, man, you really, really are, you want to make sure that you are doing things right. They, 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 it means like, man, I need to make sure that I am in order. I need to make sure that I am in check. Because someone, the creator, one day going to judge me. And I don't know when my last breath is. I don't know when my last opportunity to do something that maybe he's calling me to do is. So I need to make sure that I am doing the best that I can right now. And I love how he says, live out your time as foreigners here. Some of you are saying, why Why is that? Well, we have to remember, the Bible teaches us that this world is not our home. Why is it that we struggle so much in this world? Why is it that it's so difficult? That there's pain, there's tears, there's suffering, all of these things. You say, man, how can I be a Christ follower in this world when everything is going against us? Because you don't belong here. We're just walking through here. But we're not just walking through here to get from point A to point B as fast as we can. God has placed us to walk through here with a purpose. You're not just passing through. This is just a short period of time in the eternal scheme of things. You see, this time that we live here is just like this little compared to eternity. And if I keep going and going and going and going nonstop, I used to think to myself when I was little, I used to lay down in bed, man, well, how long, you know, am I going to be in heaven? And I would just think, well, forever and ever and ever and ever. You just keep going. You see, our time here on earth is temporary. Our time in eternity is forever with no end. It's just a short period of time in the eternal scheme of things. And at the end of this life, we will be judged or we will be rewarded. Two things that I want to teach you the difference between the two. Let me go ahead and show you in Scripture that there are two different judgments And I want to be able to talk to you about both of them, okay? This is some stuff when I was, you know, growing up and starting to learn and study the Word, I was a little confused about, so I want to try to tell you the difference between the two. The first is called, many of you guys would know it as, the Great White Throne Judgment. The Great White Throne Judgment. Most scholars believe that the Great White Throne Judgment is only for non-believers and I tend to agree with that uh, assessment, and, and this is and I'm going to show you why. This is what Scripture says in Revelation's chapter 20, verse 11. John is in the island of Patmos, and he has a vision that is given to him by the Holy Spirit of the things that were to come. And he said, he said, "This is what I saw." All right. Revelation's chapter 20, verse 11. It says, "Then I saw a great white throne, and him." who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. The death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. It's a whole lot to unpack And what is the lake of fire. Remember, I told you, I'm going to talk about that next week. This is just, I'm just laying the foundation to this series. But I want to talk a little bit more about what is the book of life. Here's the amazing news. What we know is that Jesus is the Son of God? He was born without sin. He's called the, the Lamb of God who is slain for the forgiveness of our sins. I talked to you about, about the atonement and how without the shedding of blood there was no forgiveness uh, for sin. So Jesus goes out ahead and He He died in our place. He sheds that blood in our place. And when you come to a place like that criminal did on that cross, when when you recognize that you you, you have a need, and you call out on the grace of Jesus, and you are saved not by works, but you're saved by the grace of Jesus through faith in him, and you call out on him, and your name at that point is written in the book of life. It's called the book of life, the, the, the Lamb's book of life. When your name is in that book, when you do those things, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you understand and you realize Man, I can't do this thing called life on my own. I have to give up my driver's seat to God when you do that, and your name is in that book. Scripture says that your name can never be blotted out. Scripture says that your name can never be erased. It can never be taken away. There's no white out there in heaven. There's no eraser. Your name is in his book. And when your name is in his book, you are his child. And at that great white throne judgment, when it's your turn, if he looks at that book and and your name is not there, your name is not in that book, Scripture says your next move. Scripture says if your name is not in that book of life, your next place of residency is not going to be a place that you're going to like. If your name is not in that book, your next place of residency is not going to be a place that you enjoy. Jesus says this in one of the most sobering verses, to me at least, in all of Scripture. This is a passage that I'm about to read to you that has rocked me for years. It has shaken me ever since I was a kid. It has made me unsettled. It still makes me uncomfortable to today. It's a very, very challenging verse, and I'm going to read it to you. It's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and 22. Jesus says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Then he says in verse 22, many will say to me on that day, say many, Many. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? I read this passage and it still makes me shake. And in our world, maybe we would change it up and say, you know, you know, when we're talking to Jesus and if we're in this situation, we're like, man, Jesus, wasn't I charged up on Easter service every once in a while? Man, didn't I give that guy that was ringing the bell there in front of the jewel with the salvation can there? Didn't I give him some money? Jesus, wasn't I nice to people? Wasn't I better than a lot of those religious hypocrites? And I tried really hard. I did good works, Jesus. I did these things. Didn't you see them? Verse 23, Jesus says, will reply this. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. In other words, (laughs) some of us will go to Jesus and say, man, but didn't didn't we know each other? Didn't we do things? And Jesus, is, in other words, he's going to say, man, hey, we were never in a relationship. You know, it's like the guy or the girl that comes around, maybe this was you a long time ago, and, and all of a sudden the guy or the girl comes along, hey, hey, man, what happened to us? You, you haven't checked, up, checked in on me, or when this happened, you didn't ask me, hey, how are you doing? And you say, girl, or, hey, or dude, man, we were never in a relationship. I didn't know you like that. There's two judgments. The first is known as the, white, the great white throne judgment. And the thing that I want to just tell you with that is you need to ask yourself, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Because once we're there, there's nothing we can do to go back and rewind anything. While we still have breath in our, la- in our lungs, there's still that time. There's still that opportunity. If your name is not in that book, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ yet, Man, now is the time to get your name etched in that book. The second judgment is called the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. Paul was talking to the Corinthian believers. Uh, these were followers of Jesus Christ. And this is what he said to them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Right? So I'm just going to paraphrase this a little bit. Great white throne judgment is your name in the book or is it not? Right. If it's in that book, all right, good. If it's not, we're going to talk about your home next week. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse ten. He says this: For we must all, everybody say all, appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in this body, rather good or bad. See now, if you really look at it, Paul's shifting now his his, his conversation. Uh, th- this judgment now to the believers, and see. When I was younger, I would think, man, but man, if we've given our life to Jesus Christ and all this stuff, man, I got to be judged again. Like, but but why would He judge me? Well, you have to understand what is what's written. You got to study it and look at the context of it. What is the judgment seat of Christ? Well, when you have to remember, Paul's talking to a Corinthian church there in the area of you know maybe modern day Greek Greece, and you got to understand what was kind of. Happening, you know, they, they they always had these Olympics, right? It, you know, these the, the, these different competitions, and so that the wording that's used there it comes from the Greek word bema. Bema, and bema is taken from the Greek Olympics. And what is a bema? Well, after the race, the winners would come before the judge, who would stand and he would sit or he would stand or sit on that bema, and he would and the judge would go out ahead and give the rewards or the prizes. Or, or whatever it was, the, uh, the wreaths that they, that they would get. One thing that's very important to understand is that the Bema seat was not a place to judge. The Bema seat was a place, or, or, or wasn't a place to see if you qualified. That spot was a place to say, hey, let's celebrate because you finished the race. You understand? You see, that seat, that judgment seat was not a place to say, hey, uh, you made it or you didn't make it. That seat was there a place to say, you finished the race now, let me give you the reward that you deserve. That's why I'm saying this one is for the believers. You finished the race, you were faithful, and here is the reward for what it is that you have done. It's very important to understand that the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment for your sins. Listen, is your name in that book or not? This is the judgment for those who are followers of Christ, you see, because your sins were judged and forgiven by Jesus Christ, and you gave your life to him, and Jesus dies on that cross, and the sins have been atoned for. This is the place where if Jesus acknowledges us, what you did on earth is rewarded in heaven. Now, you may stand there, and you may say, well, I'm a, I'm a little bit confused. I thought you said that we're not saved by works. Well, we're never saved by only works. Why? Because you can't be religious enough. You can't try hard enough. You can't rid yourself of enough of the bad stuff. The problem is that by nature we are all sinners. Our sin separates us from a holy God. We are saved by the grace of Jesus. And only by the grace of Jesus we are saved by grace. So we are saved by grace but we are rewarded for the works. And the reality is That when you have truly been transformed by Jesus Christ, when you're no longer what you once were, when you are suddenly living your life and you say, man, I am a new creation, then you recognize that you didn't bring anything significant enough to the table, that you've only been changed by the love of God. Suddenly, you don't have to work for your salvation and you want to live for the glory of Jesus because of what it is that he did for you. You're no longer the same. That's why we say we're saved by grace, that you're going to be rewarded in heaven. Some of us say, man, everything that I do good here, man, everything that I do good I here, I sacrifice. I sacrifice for my family. I sacrifice for the church. I do all of these things, man, but where, where, where are my accolades? Where are my rewards? Where are my trophies? Why don't I hear my name? That's because the true rewards are going to come in heaven for how you live your works, your life here. That's why what you do here, what you do right now, it really, really matters eternally. What will you be rewarded for? What will you be judged for? Let me just share a couple of those things. You'll be judged by and you'll be rewarded for maybe how you treat people, how you cared for the least of these, how you cared for the outcast, the poor, how you care for the broken, the marginalized, how you cared for the hurting. You'll be judged by your motives. You will be judged by the words that come out of your mouth. Some of us in here, we need to put some tape over our mouth sometimes. You'll be judged by how you endure suffering and rewarded if you endure suffering well. You'll be rewarded or you'll be judged by what you do and what you you have. Did you use the resources to be a blessing? Or did you keep all of your resources to yourself? Well, you'll be rewarded when you bring people to Jesus Christ. There's a crown, Scripture says, for those who are soul winners. See, all of these awards, rewards, all these things happen there at the judgment seat of Christ. For those of you that led someone to Christ and maybe even baptized them here man the bible says there is a crown for you in heaven you will be rewarded for Je- you will be rewarded by Jesus for what it is that you did so i want you to imagine this your life is over your physical body ceases to exist game over pops up on your screen all the stuff that you have is left behind, and you stand before Jesus. And what I want you to do is I want you to, well, who knows? I said stand before Jesus, but you're in front of Jesus. You're probably not even going to be able to stand. You'll, be, you'll fall to your knees, and you'll probably kneel down before his presence, and just imagine him going out ahead and stepping to his side and taking that crown perhaps and placing it there on your head. And he, imagine him telling you, well done. Well done, my good and my faithful servant. Well done. See, there's opposites of being told, right? The great white judgment, your name's not in the book of life, and we'll come up with every excuse why it should be. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. But here this judgment at, 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 at the judgment seat of Christ, he's looking at those who have fought, who have, who have cried, who have, who have shed blood, whatever the case is, for those who have tried to advance the kingdom of heaven, for those who have remained faithful, for those that even though it was difficult, continue to make their way forward. And he's saying to you, my good and faithful servant, well done. For the, for, 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 he could be saying that for anything. Well done, because remember when you served every, every week, there in the in, in kids' own area, you made an eternal difference in the lives of those kids, and you didn't even know it. I'm a product of that. I'm a product of going to church, and it was the most boring thing in the world as a kid. But I remember them taking me to, uh, to, to, to Sunday school, and the things that I would learn that I kind of took some of the stuff for granted, but man, the stuff that really ingrained, they, they ingrained in me. Just imagine Jesus saying, man. Some, some, some of the kids that you were teaching are pastors today. Some of the kids that you were teaching are worship leaders today. Some of the kids that you are teaching are, 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 are continuing to share the gospel with other people. Good job, my good and faithful servant. Maybe, maybe Jesus will say, hey, you were the brightest light in your office. When everyone else laughed at you, you remained faithful. No one else saw what, when you were doing what was right. You could have easily have done what was wrong, but you continued to do what was right. And Jesus will say to you, son, my daughter, when you thought nobody was watching, when you thought no one was looking at the sacrifices you were making, I noticed. I noticed. You didn't have much, but you always gave. I noticed. You didn't have much, but you always gave of your tithing. You didn't have much, but you always used what you had To try and meet the needs of other people. I noticed my son. I noticed my daughter. Well done. You shared your faith. Jesus will say to some of you, you visited me when I was in prison. Jesus will say to some of you, you comforted me when I was sick. He will say to some of you, you gave me food when I was hungry. You gave me water when I was thirsty. And you may be looking at Jesus all disoriented at that moment. Jesus, but when did I do that? And he'll look at you and he'll say, what you did into the least of these, you did unto me. What we believe about eternity, church, that's how we will live today in closing one thing that I want to make sure we address and that is that we have to be careful not to obsess with the things of this world right because what we believe about eternity that's how we live today so we got to be careful not to obsess with the things of this world because the pool of this world is so strong it is The strongest Christian still feels the pull of this world. The Apostle Paul shared it as well. I want to do what's right, but my body's kind of trying to go the other way. But what this world has to offer you is so temporary. It's so temporary. And one day, one day, your heart, it's going to beat for the last time. Man, I wish I would have had, the, what is it, stethoscopes for everybody here today and say, man, listen to your heart. Listen to your heart. You know? One day, that pump that God designed to, to circulate that blood through your entire body is going to stop. It's going it's to beat for the last time. And listen, please listen to this. At that point, there's no do-overs. There's no do-overs. That's why in our world, in the world that we are living in today, we have to fight. As believers of Jesus Christ, we have to keep the eternal goal front and center. Jesus, whether it's in our body or wherever I am, We need to say, Jesus, my goal is to please you. My goal is to please you, Jesus. Even in my marriage, my goal is to please you. As a parent, Jesus, my goal is to please you. As someone who serves in the church, Jesus, my goal is to please you. When you go in and you clock in at work, Jesus, my goal is to please you. When you're thinking about whatever your two-year, five-year plan for my planners out there. My goal is to please you. And if you find yourself more concerned, church, with the things of this world, whatever it may be, whatever it may be, the degree, the new house, popularity, the car, the next vacation, whatever it is, you need to cut the roots off to the things of this world. Remember, you could have those goals. They just can't overshadow your primary goal, which is to please Jesus. Make sure you don't do that. Whatever it is that you're setting your goals to be Jesus, does this goal please you? Am I going to put more time and effort into this than I am going to in you? The things that will not last and do not matter, we need to try to cut those roots. We need to let the spirit of God help recalculate and bring us back to the spiritual center. Because you have one goal. Remember, you're, you're just passing through this world. And as you're passing through this world, I, I think of Satan as, as the best advertiser in the world. As, you know, when you're driving through the expressway, you see all the billboards for all the things and all of a sudden you were fooled, but now you want some Chipotle or whatever. As we're passing through this world with a goal, we have a destination in our GPS. But Satan is at every billboard trying to distract you from getting there, safely. Satan is trying to throw so many pit stops your way to get you to detour away from the way that he wants. You have one goal. Don't forget. Don't plant your roots here. We're just passing. But whatever we do, whatever we are, remember this, that is that our goal is to please Jesus. Our goal is to please Jesus. Because when we die, there's going to be a conversation that's going to be had. And it's going to be between you and the one that you were supposed to be pleasing while you were passing through this world. Some of us are really good with excuses, man. Some of us are really good with excuses. Some of us are really good with lies. When we're asked something, hey, what happened? Blah blah blah. Oh, psh, you throw everything in the book. But that day. <laughs> excuses end. the lies, end. What did you do? Is your name in the book? And if your name is in the book, man, did you what did you do with what I gave you? The gifts that I gave you, the gifts that I gave you, the talents that I gave you, the brain that I gave you, the heart that I gave you, the physical ability that I gave you, what did you do with that? Because what you know about eternity affects how we live here today. I gave you all that, man, so that you could not just be here by yourself, but so that you could bring your whole family, all your friends, your entire community, just a brief summary of what happens when we die. i will talk about destinations the next up, upcoming weeks. So I, I just wanted to present this to you and get this in your mind. Amen? To know and understand what it is. Now, yes, eventually we're going to die. Yeah, but you know what? There's still work to be done today. You're alive. You have breath in your lungs. Man, you have a calling. You have a calling. You may not be here to preach your calling can be e- even more impactful than being up here and preaching. Man, you, you, you have the influence of so many people in your sphere that you can talk to, that you can be an example to. And maybe you don't have the gift to go and speak to them about Jesus, but man, how are you living when you're next to them? How are you behaving when you're next to them? What are the words that are coming out of your mouth when you're next to them? I ask that you rise to your feet. Christ followers, we just close your eyes. As Christ followers. We need to remember. This is not our home. We're just passing through here. We need to remember that there's there's something bigger after this life, after we close our eyes here on earth for the final time. And we've got to understand that in that season of eternity, there there, there are still the, the consequences for what we do here. Good and bad. Good and bad. You see. Sometimes what puzzles me is that we work so hard here and in in this side of eternity for Alcalate. We we, we work so hard to get raises. We work so hard to get plaques with our names on them. We work so hard for promotions. But but all those things stay here. The moment they etch your name in a plaque, they're, they're, they're putting another name in there the next week or the next month. But while we're here, God's given us work. Eternal work with eternal, uh, you know, results. He's got all kinds of rewards, all kinds of things for you when you are there in eternity. Man, don't you want to be rewarded with the good stuff? So work hard here. Work hard right now for your eternal rewards. Work hard and say, man, I want that crown of righteousness. Righteousness let me bring people to Christ. Let me baptize them here in these waters. Let me act right. Let me speak right. Let me give. Let me me live sacrificially. All of these things that are all pretty much attributes of our Lord and Savior. Let us reflect that. Amen? And right there where you're at, just analyze your heart. God, where am I? Where am I in all of this? Only you and you alone know what it is that God is, God is kind of placing in your heart right now. What is it that he's telling you based on what you've heard here today? What is it that he's trying to, what is he trying to get your attention towards? What is it? And speak to God. Speak to God right there where you are at. And at the end of the service, listen, if you say, man, I want prayer or something more personal. Maybe it's like, hey, I want to get my name in that book, or or maybe I I need help in this specific area. I will be here. Our our elders are here. We, We can be here in the front. If you come on up after the service, after we dismiss, we'd love to talk to you, and we would love to pray for you. Amen? Father God, we come before you right now at this time, at this moment. We thank you for this reminder. I thank you for this constant reminder. Lord, because your word is being preached to me as well. And so, Lord, I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you would take this word. Your Bible, the Bible says that your word are like seeds. Our heart is like soil. Lord, I pray that each and every person here today, that their soil would have been mixed and ready to absorb the seeds that have been thrown into their hearts right now. Father, these, these good seeds, these seeds, Father God, Lord, that you've given us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would grab them, that what we've learned today, we would allow them to perk up, to grow, Father God, into beautiful, beautiful crops, God. Beautiful fruits. I pray, Lord, that whatever it is that you have placed in the heart of your people here today, as they've heard your word, God, that you would help them, that you would strengthen them, God, to walk in that, Father God, to take care of maybe whatever needs to be taken care of, to straighten out in whichever area they need to be straightened out. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would use them in mighty ways, God. That they would see their purpose, that they would see their calling, God, that they would see it. That you didn't call them just to pass by here. Yeah, they're passing by here, but you've called them to pass by here with purpose. To also be spreading seeds of your word everywhere that they walk that one day maybe they can turn around after their long journey and look at the beautiful crops that have grown from the seeds that they have thrown. Father, as we get ready to dismiss, I pray, Lord, that you would watch over your church, that you would watch over each and every person here today, that you would give them traveling mercies wherever it is they go. Those that are watching us online, those that are already starting vacations, that you would bless them, watch over them as well, God. I pray, Lord, that no matter where we go, though, Lord, no matter whose house we go to, no matter what workplace we go to, that we would always remember that you've called us to be the salt of this earth. You've called us to be the light of this world. And you have called us not to blend in, but you've called us to stand out. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would use us in every opportunity, Father. And Lord, that when we are down, when we are downcast, when we are struggling, Lord, that someone will come along our side and help lift us up. Father, we love you. We praise you and we worship you, church. I leave you and I dismiss you with this blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you all. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may the Lord give you his peace which supersedes all understanding. In Jesus' holy, mighty name, the church of God says, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you, church. You are dismissed. Have a great week.